Bible, you can do everything you want. All right, you can go home. Sermon's over. Just live your life the way you want to. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do a single thing because Jesus did it all. Can we sing that? Why are you here? Can we just believe in God and then in the end, He will save us all? Well, who said that? Who just told you that? Me. But because you didn't read the Bible, you didn't understand what God actually said, how would you know that that didn't come from the devil? How would you? You would know. It's exactly what happened in the garden, wasn't it? God gave us everything that we need, but you need to learn what God has said. And you can't just come to church and learn that God loves you, God loves you, and you never know why. Why does God have to love you? And that's why we're here today to learn and understand why God did what he did and why did Christ have to die. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. You all know that the Bible is divided into two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. That is how the, your Bible is divided. But let me tell you a secret today. Those covenants or those testaments are actually dispensations of God's one covenant. Here's the real division of the Bible. So if, if you were to have a Bible and it's the new covenant and the old covenant, the old covenant will end in the third chapter of Genesis, verse 15. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 to John chapter 3, verse 16, it's the complete plan of salvation. One verse part. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the true division of the old covenant and the new covenant. So what is a covenant? When God came to Abraham, or at that time, he was Abraham, and he made a covenant with Abraham, this is what he said. Take some animals, some birds, and divide the animals in two halves, one on each side. And he did that except for the birds. And he did that to make a covenant. And that is what a covenant is. There are two parties that are at odds at each other, or they could be friendly with each other, like in the case of Jonathan and David. They made a covenant. A covenant can be broken when one or two parties fail to hold up their end of the agreement. And the way they ratify the covenant is that they kill these animals, and they divide them in half, and then the two parties pass through the half and they have being witnesses to the covenant. Meaning to say, if anyone would break the covenant, this is what's gonna happen to them. They're gonna be cut in half. When God makes an agreement with you, if we hold up all ends of the agreement, the body of flesh is cut in half, and the parties pass through, and that ratifies the covenant. Someone must die. When Adam broke the covenant with God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he broke the covenant because God says, don't eat of that tree, and he ate it, and therefore he broke the covenant. Somebody died. Adam died spiritually, but his body was still alive. But someone else allowed him to live. You know what it was? God made a sacrifice. If you pay attention to Genesis, you realize something happened. Some animal die. God would take its fur to cover Adam and Eve. There's always something that die when a covenant is broken. The covenant is made with a witness and a slain sacrifice. These are the requirements of a covenant. So 
what is the covenant? What is the old covenant? Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 will give us what God requires of the old covenant. And the Lord commanded that man, saying, Every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now listen to this. This is the part that we should not do. Thou shalt not eat, for in the day thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Now this is the part of the covenant. You would ask, why would God make a covenant? Why would anyone make a covenant? Can't we just exist and live and not have this covenant? Wouldn't that be better? Why is there a covenant that needs to be made? Imagine this. You live with your parents and they never tell you when they're going to kick you out of the house. So you live in this constant fear, not knowing what would happen to you. God doesn't want us to live in that kind of uncertainty. He wants us to know exactly what He will do, given what you will do. And that is the covenant of work. And this is what He said, I will bless you, I will give you everything that you see, all the animals will be subjected to you, creation will be subservient to you if you don't do this one thing. And what was it? Just don't eat of that tree. Just that one thing tree that's in the middle of that's it you can do anything else everything else but except that one thing what you like to do you see the nature of adam and eve is still in us the fallen carnal nature of adam and eve that's in us that natural tendency the things that we should do we don't want to do but the things that we should not do we find ourselves wanting to do because that nature of adam is in us and so that is the covenant of works. The reason why it is the covenant of work is because Adam had to do something. And that was the keeping of God's law. So today, if anyone tell you that you have to be good so that God will save you, you know that you will fail. Because Adam, in the garden, it was perfect. It was paradise. And he couldn't even keep one simple command of God, let alone today. You think that you can keep anything. If you break one command, the Bible says you have broken all of them. So God does not make a covenant of work with man again after that. And therefore, in Romans chapter 5, verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. What does this mean? Adam sinned because he broke the agreement with God. Did anyone went into Eden and, and ate that fruit? But how come we are condemned with the same condemnation that God condemned Adam? Why are we as guilty as if we ate the fruit? And this is the reason why. God has set up a representative for the whole human race, and his name was Adam. So whatever Adam did, what is a representative? Do you know what an ambassador is? You have congressmen. You have someone represent you. And whatever your representative decides to do or vote for, it doesn't matter what your opinions are. We inherit whatever that person decides. Adam was the federal head. He represented the human race. And when he sinned, we inherit his fault, his guilt, and his pollution. So that's why whatever Adam did, even though we didn't physically do it, 
we ate of the same tree and that's what the apostle Paul says here death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned in the same way meaning us we didn't eat of that tree we didn't pick that fruit and eat but we sin and we have the same guilty plea with God as if we actually took the fruit and eat so none of us can say that we are without sin we have all sinned we sin because we have a representative who sinned who broke the agreement with God and that was the old covenant and now because the old covenant was broken God is not going to make the same covenant again with man because we weren't able to keep it while we didn't have sin it was possible for Adam not to sin it is not possible for any one of us here today not to sin because we have inherited Adam's fallen nature but it was possible for Adam not to sin it is impossible for us not to sin it is impossible for God to make the same covenant of work with Adam as he would to, to us because it is impossible for us to keep that covenant with God and therefore in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 he will make a new covenant but not with us he will make a new covenant with whom with the seed of the woman that covenant that he made in the garden that was after Adam and Eve had been declared dead spiritually so they were not there when God made an agreement and who did he made an agreement with I'm glad you asked that question he made that covenant with himself God with his own hands made an agreement with himself a covenant with himself to save us while we were dead in our trespasses and sin God made a covenant with himself to save us and therefore he says the seed of the woman and he made this agreement and we know the seed of the woman was and will be Jesus so he made it with himself Jesus was with God in the beginning even from the foundation of the world now it is called the covenant of grace because it made and fulfilled by God alone it is an everlasting covenant if God made an agreement with himself he cannot break it if God made a covenant with man well it's shown that man broke his end of the agreement if God made a covenant with himself he cannot break it you would ask why would you make a covenant with yourself that thought the question that I just asked and the thought that just come into your mind is a carnal thought that came from our carnal mind we don't understand God and so now we look at God and we project our stupidity to God and ask God these questions that we don't understand God makes a new covenant of grace because one reason and that reason is this he doesn't have to make the covenant with us but he made it because he loves us in John chapter 3 he made it abundantly clear that for God so loved the world that's the only reason he didn't have to do it but he made a covenant with us he loves us and he wants us to be restored to him that's it and he made a way and that way was I'm going to make this agreement with myself so that I have the power to keep both sides of the agreement God the Father God the Son God the sacrifice all within in him and he was able to keep it and he demonstrated that he kept the covenant of grace to the end 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verse 23 and verse 24 
but every man in his own order. Christ is the first fruit afterward. They that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end, then shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he had have put down all rule, all authority, and all power. Christ became the first fruit and the mediator of the covenant of grace. God made this covenant with himself, and then Christ was sent, was born, became the mediator of this grace, so that he becomes the person who stands between you and God. God sent the same mediator between him and us. We are enemy to God because we sin, we follow the devil, and God sent his son as the mediator, and he came and he born in the earth as part of us, and he came to God became our mediator and he mediated for us. We enter the covenant through Jesus Christ by whom we have faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We don't have to do anything. We, all we have is our faith in Jesus Christ that he would do this and he would do this work for us. Now the covenant of grace is the covenant that is done by faith and not by work. That is the fundamental difference between the covenant, the old covenant of works, and the new covenant of grace. The old covenant of works, for you to keep it, you have to exert work. The new covenant of grace, in order for you to keep it, you need to exert faith. How does the new covenant of grace being given to us? The terms that is used is dispensation. First of all, the messianic covenant, the promise. When God makes a promise, what did he say? My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. So know this, when God makes a covenant with you, he never changes his mind. He never breaks his covenant. We break covenants we make with each other. But the Bible makes it clear that God does not break his promises to us. When he said, I promise you this, God makes a promise. He will fulfill his end of the promise, even unto death. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 But when the fullness of the time come God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law God made a promise he said that the seed of the woman will deliver mankind but it didn't happen in Genesis because God says there is a time when this promise will be fulfilled and he said that when that time comes no one knows, only God knows. When that time comes, it will be fulfilled. He didn't say that it will happen in Genesis. He said that it will happen. He did not give a date. So we have to believe in God's promise. That's why it is a promise. Otherwise, it would have been done already. So God says, I will fulfill my promise. And when the fulfillment of the promise, or the time of the fulfillment will come, it will come to pass. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him God has a timeline he has determined everything to happen within his season and is in his timeline he promised it he will carry it out we want things to happen quickly we want things to happen immediately but it's not God and therefore you need to have faith in God because God says that he will do this and he will surely do it. But it is going to happen in his time, not in our time, not in our... God made a covenant with the seed of the woman. 
Now at the time in Genesis, you don't know who that seed is and you don't know who will come in this form to save mankind. But he made that promise in Matthew chapter 1 verse 13. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The promise was given to carry out by God and the Holy Spirit. Mary had a dream. And the angel showed up to her and said that you will have a baby and that thing that is in you is holy by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? She was a virgin. She never knew a man. And God took a cell in her body, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This miraculous work we don't understand. We never understand this. So don't try to reason it with science. It doesn't happen with the logic or the mind that we have. We won't be able to find out the work of God through our ability. The Holy Spirit sanctified the cell and from the cell came the deliverer that was promised in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. The same angel appeared to Joseph and told him this, take Mary to be your wife. Why did he have to appear to Joseph and tell him to take Mary to be his wife? Didn't Mary was already promised to Joseph? But the Bible told us this, that Joseph has thought about leaving Mary. But God showed up to Joseph and said, don't do it. Now, there are two things that happen here. The nature of man and the nature of God is very different. God has a plan, but in our best interest, Joseph was planning to do was to leave Mary or to put her aside. He did it in accordance to the law because now his betrothed is now with child and it's against the law. He, in accordance to the law, wanting to put Mary aside. And to us, we think that that's right. But to God, that is not right. And so God showed up to Joseph and said, don't put Mary away. Take Mary to be your wife. The second part of that is this, that God did not use man in any way to complete what he promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Are you following? He said, the seed of the woman. There's no part of man that play in this plan of salvation because mankind was dead. So God, through Mary, the seed of God that was promised in Genesis, was given to mankind through the woman. And through Mary, the virgin, Christ was born and he was blameless, holy, and without sin, without spot. God promised there will be one who will fight and triumph over the serpent. And why is there a fight between the serpent and the seed of the woman? Because when Eve took the fruit and ate, she became a friend to the serpent. And whoever is a friend to the serpent is an enemy to God. So God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, meaning this. God is separating these two friends that used to be friends now become enemy. So the enemy of God's enemy is his friend. There's only two sides. And therefore, God's plan of salvation was to draw a division between the seed of the woman and the serpent. They will fight with each other. In the end, Jesus Christ will triumph over the serpent. Satan will be defeated. Now, there are three things I'll go quickly over and I'll summarize them as follow. First of all, the subsidiary covenant that God made with Noah. This is not a new covenant. This is a dispensation of the new covenant revealed in a way that you would understand 
his plan of salvation leading ultimately to Jesus Christ when he completed this salvation. Now God's subsidiary covenant with Noah shows the attributes of God who is just, who is holy, who is merciful, and who is love. And his love for the wicked, we don't understand why. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No one here wants to die for someone who's wicked. No one here wants to love anyone who is evil and wicked. But while we were yet wicked sinners, God died for us. It tells you this. God is so different than us. His thoughts are so different from us, and His ways are so different from us. And He's able to do this because He's God. Learn what it meant, Jesus says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the heart of God. God comes to deliver us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the promise that he made to Noah. The promise is this, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, The earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. What happened from Adam to Noah? The earth become increasingly wicked. Not only men were becoming increasingly wicked, the Bible says, right after Genesis chapter 3, chapter 4, you can see the escalation of the evil in the world. And not only man became wicked, animal became wicked. Not only animal became wicked, but also the plants and seasons became wicked. What destroyed man at the time of Noah? The flood was nature. Nature was becoming more and more hostile to mankind. And in the end, it destroyed mankind. And we say that it was God that destroyed mankind. No, it wasn't. It was the flood. It was nature that destroyed mankind. God just took his hand off. This is what happened when we sinned and the earth became corrupted. And God says, if you want to escape this flood, do this. Build yourself a, an ark. Go out, get each pair of animals and bring them into the ark. And then when the flood comes, you escape. It was nature that destroyed mankind. And therefore, when he made the covenant with Noah, he made the covenant to never again allow nature to overcome the earth entirely. So he put an end to the increasing evil begin to spread over the earth. Man lived so long, and the more he lived, the more wicked he became. God put an end to all the wickedness that's in the world. When Jesus made a statement, he said, do not allow the tribulation to stop, no one would be saved. So God had to put a bridle on the environment, on man, on nature, on everything, so that we can be saved. Otherwise, we have been wiped out a long time ago. But because God said, you cannot destroy man again. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Have you read that before? You should have. That is the very same words that he said to Adam in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He restoring the covenant that he made with Adam. But this time, he didn't tell Noah to do what he told Adam to do. Thou shalt not eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's making a way so that one would come in his name, whose name was Jesus, who would be able to accomplish this. And he demonstrated even though mankind was wicked, God did not allow mankind to be wiped out because of his love. 
He demonstrated through the earth was not destroyed by the flood. It will come to an end because the wrath of God would pour out. God will not sit by and just watch evil unfold. There will be a time when God said, it's over. And number three, after the flood, Noah failed, didn't he? But yet we are still here. Why? It was the covenant that God made or the subsidiary covenant that God made with Noah. I will never destroy the earth again. We would have been destroyed many times over after Noah. But God made a covenant to show you that he alone is merciful and he will not destroy us. And we said he will not destroy us and he did not destroy us. A Noahic covenant was ratified by the sacrifice foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice that we ratify under the covenant of grace with Christ. After Noah got out of the ark, he sacrificed, made an altar and sacrificed unto the Lord, ratified the covenant with the Lord. The covenant with Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. What is that covenant? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. And what is that promise? Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house whose land I will show thee and I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now that is the covenant that God made with Abraham. That's a lot of blessings. And he said this, in you I will bless your family. I bless Everyone that has tied to you, everyone that bless you will be blessed. That's a pretty broad blessing that God has given to Abraham. That is a great covenant or subsidiary covenant that God's given to Abraham. Now in the time of Noah, people knew God and they worshiped God independently. But at the time of Abraham, God gathered all the, those who would worship God or who believe and worship God into one place. And that is called covenant with Abraham. He gathered everyone together. That foreshadowed what the church would be. And that is why we are here. The family of faith, when people believe, when we come together in the church, we are actually fulfilling the covenant that God made with Abraham. Because people were scattered over the earth. They worshiped God. Job, he believed in God. He was not part of Abrahamic covenant. And so God gathered everyone together and formed the very first church. Covenant with Abraham ends like this. God, he asked Abraham to put together sacrifice. He cut all the animals in half. And then, right before God and Abraham walked through the sacrifice, you know what happened? God put Abraham to sleep. Why didn't Abraham and God walk through the sacrifice that Abraham prepared for the ratification of the covenant that God made with Abraham? Because God would not make the covenant with man. So he put Abraham to sleep and he'll go and walk through the sacrifice ratifying the covenant within himself. He said, I will uphold this covenant. Imagine the grace of God. If Abraham were to walk with God through it, he would have failed. Abraham would have failed the same way that Noah failed. The same way that anyone who came before Christ would have failed. So God went through the covenant by himself. The covenant was ratified with himself. And so the church of God was established. And now we come to the Mosaic or the Sinaitic covenant. God's given to mankind the law. And you ask, 
why do we need the law? Can God just keep the covenant and we just live? And why would there be a law? Because Israel become increasingly more populous. There are more and more people. So God had to give them the laws that they can live in harmony with each other. There are three things. There are the civil law, there are the moral law, and there are the ceremonial law. Without these laws, we would hurt each other badly. And then we would not have the church the way that God wants us to have. And deal with each other the way that God wants us to deal. Because we are carnal, and we're men, and we love to hurt. So God instituted the law so that we could live in harmony with each other. While we live in this flesh, we will have to fight this flesh. And Paul says this, With my mind, I obey the law of God. And with this flesh, I obey the law of sin. The law is there to lead us to Jesus Christ. The law is there to show you that you need Jesus Christ. The law is there to show you that without the law, we would hurt each other. You go out in the street today, if there are no traffic laws, you should be scared. Try to spend a couple hours in the street in Vietnam, you know what I mean. Where there are no laws, it's scary. But the law is there so that there's peace. And God instituted the law through Abraham so that the nation would be under the law of God so that the people around would see these are the people who belong to God because they obey God's law. Now, I want to end with this. John chapter 19, verse 30. There's one more subsidiary covenant that I didn't talk about. It's called the Davidic covenant. And we'll talk about each of these covenants in details in the, in the coming days, but um, I want you to think about what Jesus did. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. All of the succession of these subsidiary covenants that God made with Noah, with Abraham, and then with Moses, show you what he would do in the end. And this is the end, the ratification of God's covenant that he made in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The sacrifice that is required to ratify this covenant. Remember, I told you in the beginning, every covenant needs a sacrifice. Every covenant needs blood to ratify it. And God, through the succession of these subsidiary covenants, he did not make it with men, but he made it with animals, with these sacrifices, and they had to continually be made on a yearly basis. But when Jesus came, he ended all this sacrifice with one sacrifice that was eternal, and that was Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus had to shed blood, so that the covenant that he made in Genesis could be ratified in the New Testament. Jesus had to die so that we can be reconciled unto God. The covenant could not be ratified, meaning it could not be closed. It could not be sealed. Another way for you to think about this is this. When you have an agreement, you have two parties. So when you buy a house, you have two parties, the banks and you, and they will give you a list of things that you have to sign. And when you sign, it's a binding contract. Now, the covenant with God, in the same way, it has to be signed and sealed with blood. The pronouncement of the covenant in Genesis chapter 3 was not signed until Jesus was crucified. And his death and his blood sealed the covenant. And now it is complete. And therefore, when Jesus was on the cross, he said these words, It is finished. It is finished. Now, it is finished before he physically died. Think about this. The covenant 
that God made with Jesus was made before or sealed and signed before he died because Adam physically he was still alive but spiritually he died when he ate the fruit so therefore the physical death that we experience is only temporal it's not eternal and God made an eternal covenant with us meaning Jesus fulfilled or signed and sealed the covenant before he physically died to show you that the covenant is made eternally with the spiritual man and therefore when he said said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me that was when he died spiritually and he said it is finished it is signed it is sealed it is completed and we inherit his promises and we inherit what he has done through faith and faith alone so when he said this therefore he had received the vinegar he said it is finished it is done Jesus did it all and he signed he sealed it and God said I will accept the sacrifice even though he turned away and that after that Jesus died in the flesh so the work that Jesus done was completed on the cross the promise that God has made in Genesis chapter 3 now the two things we need to know and the first thing is the person of Jesus Christ and the second thing is the works of Jesus Christ if you are not interested in this I would say this have God chosen you to reveal his son to you if you are interested in this then I would say this then God has chosen you to reveal his son to you now are you interested in the person of Jesus Christ are you interested in the works of Jesus Christ because if you don't know why Jesus did all those things for you and you're not interested then his salvation means nothing but if you are interested you need to know the person of Jesus Christ who he was why he became flesh incarnate for us and the second thing that you should be interested in is the work that he did for you and I Acts chapter 2 verse 23 him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain and again in Romans chapter 8 verse 3 for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that's what Jesus done are you interested in that is that something that stir your heart and cause you to become curious in why God chose to save you let's come to the Lord in prayer father we thank you for what Jesus has done for us Lord even more so the things that you have accomplished that we don't understand today Lord the desires of the heart and desire to come and know you is something that we can't pinpoint and know where it comes from we just know Lord that there is the supernatural work that exists in those who are so curious and interested in what God is doing in our lives that provoke us that cause us to open up the word begin to to devour this word seek out the God who shed his own blood to save us to save me give those who are sitting in this room this desire to wonder why me why do you have to do this for me what did I do what was my crime what was my sin that caused you to be in such state of agony and pain and sorrow so that you can redeem me from what what would be my end Lord give us the mind to begin to explore these thoughts and to understand the depth of your love and also Lord to understand the grave danger of 
living our eternal life without you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your covenant. We thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray.